0: Welcome to Voice Notes. I'm Justine, an intuitive practitioner and a curious, critical thinker. This audio share is a documentation of my journey as an explorer of life, sharing my tips, detours, and evolutions on my spiritual path. In sharing my story and my thoughts of today, I am furthering my path of healing and hoping to heal others along the way. So thank you for joining me, settle in, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's begin. Okay, Uh, my co-star says do angry outbursts, which feels fitting for how I feel today. I like to think that this episode is going to be about sticky spirits and, for lack of a better word, workplace bullshit. I don't actually know which one to start with. Maybe I'll start with the latter because it's what I'm really fired up about today. So I have been working on film sets. If I take my time, it's because I'm going to discern as I go how much to share and how much to keep to myself. I'm not interested in pointing fingers or blaming. I've seen this type of culture in everything from publishing to retail to hospitality to the film industry and it's archaic and outdated and we need to move on so what is this culture there are certain buzzwords that in my mind were from my parents era and so for like a gen z term It's like, you know, it gives you boomer vibes. And I'm very confused about why, in the workplace, some of these words are still applauded. So, sentences such as, like, I need to prove myself or um, like grind or hustle. I mean, I love the word hustler. So, that's like a very different take. But What I have recently been exposed to is apparently there is something called the whitelist and the blacklist in the film industry. And this is for, I'm sure it's for all positions, but I've specifically been told about it for the lowest position. So just to give you some context, these people make minimum wage, their minimum contracted hours are 14 hours. So that means after eight hours, where in normal working regulations, you have the option to work overtime at time and a half. It is already built into your contract that you have to work this. So it's not a choice. Um, So I guess the money gets better, but 14 hours is a long day. And there is minimal sitting. So you're predominantly standing, often outside in Canadian weather, for 14 hours. And this isn't like... I'm not going to make this about like an injustice post of like, I don't know, fighting for every right, but what I really want to get at is this idea that these entry-level position people, myself included, are being labeled white or blacklist which I'm like how in 2022 are we still in binary thinking I'm very confused by this and secondly something I fought really hard for when I worked for Lululemon and I didn't have as good of articulation as I currently do is this idea that there's no such thing as an underperforming employee and like this was very radical at the time like people didn't understand it I think when I left nobody still understood this way of thinking I, I think that when management, whether you're curating a white or a black list, or you're discussing whether someone should move up in a company, the, again, just to give you context, so in film industry, I was at the bottom, and then at Lululemon, I was in a managerial position, I have experience at all levels on the pyramid, I mean, I've never been an executive, but, well, in my own business, but of one. So just to, like, give you, again, some context about my experience and who I am, um, I definitely like to think in terms of equality, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I'm anti-triangle hierarchy, patriarchy, you name it, I'm not for it. So to go back on point, um, whenever you have someone in a management position or someone who is assessing someone else's performance – and that person comes up short what i tend to see happen is there there is a deflection of personal responsibility on the management side and instead they just jump right to this person's underperforming and they're not quote unquote a good employee which i always think there needs to be like a moment of like have you set them up and did you hire the right person because to just immediately say this isn't my fault this is a them thing I think you are completely skipping on the personal responsibility. And like, I'm sure when someone's listening to this, they're like, there is such a thing as a shit employee. Like, what about people who look at their phone on, look at their phones the whole time or just want to watch videos or text their friends? Um, From having worked in the film industry, there are loads of positions such as security where you get paid to do that. And like, that's not exclusive to the film industry. That is in every industry I've ever worked. When I was in publishing, the security people also did that. It's not limited to security, but there are loads of jobs where people get paid to sit on their phone. Like, I mean, they're doing something else, but the majority of their time is that they get to govern it with their own entertainment. So if you hire someone and that is the mindset that they are in, the question is not like, oh, they're failing to perform X, Y, Z, which are these tasks that I've laid out because they have like low energy or they're not good with people or they're like slow to react. Um, The position I always take is like, number one question, did you set them up for success? Number two question, why did you hire them? If the answer to the first question is I did everything I could to set them up for success, then you go to the follow-up question, which is like, well, what was it you saw in them when you hired them? Because I'm like, you obviously saw something, so don't pretend that you didn't, and don't pretend that someone just, like, landed in your lap and you're like, oh, I'm stuck with this sloth. I'm like, that is that is never the case. And so often I find that this idea of underperforming, nine times out of ten, The person who is assigning the tasks poorly communicated that. And on top of that, they also did their job super shit because they never had a conversation or their discernment was way off. So to give you an example, um, yeah, I'm going to start here. So in publishing, I... I had an art director who was a really big believer that every single designer on his team should be well-rounded. So that meant, like, I'm not the world's greatest photoshopper, but it meant I should do my fair share of fantasy books, which are always heavily photoshopped. That's how it looks, you know, imaginative and mystical and, you know, otherworldly, ethereal, if you will. And same thing with crime novels. I didn't mind crime Crime novels, because you got to, you know, you could do some pretty cool stuff if you kept it minimal and you just evoked a feeling. Um, But where I think burnout tends to hit and where I think this is a flawed strategy, and I remember raising this and feeling unheard at the time, that's a story for another day, is that a good manager plays to the strengths of their employees. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that the person only stays in the lane of their strengths. What I'm saying is they know how to strike the balance of flex and stretching. So therefore, if I am a great contemporary literature book cover designer, which was usually my favorite, got to be like collagey or abstract or super minimalist, then it's like, have enough projects on my plate so I'm getting positive reinforcement and creating those um, positive feedback loops. So I'm like, I am good at my job. I am killing it. I am amazing, etc. And then have a few projects where you stretch me. So if contemporary lit is my flex, then maybe fantasy is my stretch. And I think, like I said, a good manager is not only able to discern that like make those choices that set people up to operate in that space of stretching and flexing but they're also really good at having the conversation of like hey this is what i saw in you when i hired you the this is what the expectations are what is it that what about those expectations do you feel comfortable about What do you feel excited about and what do you feel resistance towards and from there you go about delegation from a very like strategic but also a very human place of like I've heard what you've said and I'm going to set you up for success because this is a collaboration because in everything that we do when there's another human being we are in a relationship and just like a romantic relationship if the person on the other end of it is not listening. I, like I want to say, get get the fuck out of there! Be, I'm like, it's not worth it. They're not it's they're not going to change their tune. And I feel like I could hammer home like so much more about management and their failure to deliver. But I'm like, I feel like you get this. Um, so my main takeaway on this point is the second somebody evaluates someone as being less than or under delivering or not proving themselves or you're kind of left questioning their CV or why did they are, why did you hire them? How did they get through the process? How did someone refer them? Whatever it is, or like, I don't think this person's right for the job. The first thing you need to do as a manager rather than writing them off is have a fucking conversation. Like start there. Um... Okay, I'm going to tell like quite a personal story because let's do this. So on the weekend, I had a job on a film set and I've really enjoyed the other two I've worked on. The one I just finished this weekend, I did not like. And it was because what I am currently talking about, I felt was was not anywhere near the conversation. So when I take jobs on film sets, I am happy to pop in a podcast, watch a van to make sure people don't steal stuff, stand for 14 hours, meet some very interesting people, learn about some other people's lives, have some snacks, get some fresh air, etc. But the reality is, is like, I'm not getting paid to use my brain. It's like a lower income job. And it's just I'm, I'm not set up to be stimulated like that the compensation isn't there and I think that that's okay and a lot of spiritual people will be like no um, everything you should do you should like give it your best I'm like absolutely but you also need to have a fair conversation about what your time is worth and I'm like when a certain amount of money is on the table they only have a limited access to my energy and that's just the reality of it. And so feel free to argue that and you can come back to me on that. And it's a discussion I would absolutely love to have. So I'm getting paid a little bit more than minimum wage. I would argue it is less than living wage if you calculate it, but whatever. And I get this job where you have to, I'm like, I don't want to go into it too much. But basically I was not set up to do the job. So there's certain rules that apply with like these walkie talkies. No one told them to me. So, needless to say, I'm like fucking up, feeling undersupported as someone who is loved through overachievement and being like a perfectionist and, yeah, an overachiever and just being great at pretty much anything I set my mind to. I had the general sense that I was failing. And why I'm telling you this story is because when I have reflected on it, there's ownership on both parts. Um, Something I'm quite proud of myself for is like, as soon as I felt like I had left the unregulated place of like, the stress has gotten to me, I emotionally cannot handle this anymore. I asked to be moved. Um, I did ask to be moved with tears, which I thought was a very interesting dialogue with the person who came to speak to me. um, Because I'm like, I get the sense that I think me crying is the bravest thing I could do because I'm standing in vulnerability. And what I got on the receiving end was, like, this girl's being super weak, which I could be entirely wrong. Um, But that was an interesting moment, too, as well, to assess and, like, navigate. And you're like, well, people are at different levels of consciousness and human connection, so great. I'm just going to, like, let let those – the awkwardness of what this situation is hover. And it's, to be honest, I'm like, maybe it wasn't that way. And maybe this is just me confronting my own upbringing of the fact that it's like, you should never cry in a professional context, which I think is also bullshit. As a manager, I used to always say, I'd rather have a human being on the floor who's falling apart than have someone where I have no idea where they're at with their feelings. Um, I, yeah, I, I think as a team lead, that's the most important thing. So back to the accountability piece. So when I reflected on this, I just, I immediately was like, Oh my God, I'm a super shit employee, whatever. Um, and the reality kicked in of like, A, I'm not getting paid enough. B, like getting paid enough to handle that amount of stress. B, I've never had any sort of training. There was no discussion about the task at hand of the do's and don'ts. Um, And C, there there was no awareness as to like what are someone's strengths and weaknesses. And I also think those strengths and weaknesses can vary on the day because you can show up to work and be like the best person ever in customer service and just because of the mood you're in It's like, I don't want to deal with people today. And it's like, if that's the case, then put them in a task where you are not people facing. And it's, to me, that's the most brilliant, simple, perfect example of a good manager is that assessment piece of like, who is this person? Where are they at today? And how can I work with them in that capacity? Because that way, if you don't feel like talking to people, but you're on inventory or if you're asked to watch a truck to make sure equipment doesn't get stolen, guaranteed that employee is going to nail or like ace that position because it's playing to exactly what they need. But equally, if that person has come forward and is like, you know what? Like, I just lost my cat. I'm feeling pretty low today. You don't even need a reason. Maybe your cat didn't even pass. But it's, you could just, you know, maybe you're just having a day that's off or you're in eclipse season or a retrograde and you're like, I'm just not feeling it today. Then it's like, boom, great. You've given me the golden t- like key of where to slot you. I know exactly where to place you. And it doesn't mean that that employee is like, oh, they're just super inconsistent. That's another word I fucking hate because I'm like, again, if ever an employee is inconsistent, I would say that the manager is inconsistent in their ability to deliver their communication or what needs to get done, their expectations. So where was I on this story? I Oh, so the second part of this, I hope I finished that thought. The second part of this is the accountability on the other side. So I, I think it is really easy to be like, no manager can ever say an employee is, is underperforming because that's a reflection on them. Although, like, so I do fully prescribe to this belief, but I think the second half of this equation is that the employee needs to be in a psychologically safe environment or just have the tools to be able to communicate their needs. And to be honest, we currently are not operating in a work culture in many industries or many companies where that is the norm. And this is entering the collective and there are many more companies who are doing this. This is one thing that Lululemon does quite well. I would say they're like scratching the surface of it and they might use it in an exploitive way. But I think they're like they're headed in the right direction. So I'm not going to throw them under the bus entirely. But this idea of like a check-in or like how are you feeling or what kind of job do you want to do today or, you know, what's up is so fucking important. And the manager is responsible for starting that conversation and the employee is responsible for stepping up. So it is on me as the employee to say, you know what, today I'm just, I'm underslept. I stood for 14 hours yesterday in pretty cold weather. I'm super tired. I wasn't even supposed to be working today. This is myself in this moment, which was on Friday. Um, I don't want to take on anything that's stressful. Like, please assign me to the person who had to watch a piece of grass. That was someone's actual task. I should have taken that task. Um, Because equally, she felt underutilized and insulted that they put her on watching a patch of grass when she has a year of experience and I have like six shifts and I had one of the most high responsibility tasks and we were getting paid the exact same which at that point I'm like me up for the easy role because like I can pop in an audiobook or a podcast get some free education and get paid to do something I would otherwise have to do in my own time not getting paid so this is just how I think and We should have swapped. That's like, that is on me. But I think the bigger takeaway is like a manager should have had that conversation. But also myself and the other woman should have been set up to be, to know that that communication goes both ways and that that feedback is valuable and that it will be heard and then a strategy will be implemented off the back of those findings. So. The other component of this is, if as an employee, you are like, this is not working for me, or hey, I feel super stressed out, I feel unsupported, I feel unheard, I feel undertrained, etc., etc., if the employer in the moment listens to you, but nothing changes in like the moment, in a week, in a month, in a year, whatever, actually, please, for the, for the sake of your happiness, don't wait a month or a year. I would say like, put a time frame on it, you know, like, oh, I understand you're busy in this moment, but, um, I need out of this position in 20 minutes or like, could we reassess this in 40 minutes or whatever? Um, if you're working on a day shift and if you're in a, you know, indefinite contract I guess you'd say like could we could we revisit this in two weeks or maybe a week or maybe by Friday etc and if by the time that deadline comes around which that deadline can be imposed by either party employee or manager it is on both of you to again reassess and it doesn't matter who's doing it I think in an ideal world it is on management to be doing this But at the same time, I'm like, we are in a culture where we need to get better at asking for what we need and like following up on it. And so that when we assert a boundary of like, I need a change by Friday, we are taking action that if it hasn't been done by Friday, you're like, hey, like I put this in place and I don't feel like you're respecting it. That's also normal. So, or not normal, but I'm like, that is, I think that is also a healthy approach. So I don't want to like make that ownership on like he said, she said, they sh- they said, etc. It's like this is a relationship. This is an equal relationship. That's the most important thing. Nobody is the one calling all the shots. Um, so have that conversation. So if you say something the first time and nothing changes, I think – so I do rule of three – so the second time I follow up, so like whenever that deadline is, I'm like, you know, I'm like still in this position and I told you 20 minutes ago I want out of out of it and I'm still not out of it and you said that this could be done in 20 minutes, um, can we tackle this now or like what do I need to do in order to change this or how can we work together to Put me somewhere else or whatever, or have different responsibilities, or take some of these fantasy books off my place, plate, et cetera, right? If, and I would say on the second warning, make that deadline fucking snappy. Like, do not dick around. I'm like, if you gave someone a week to make the change the first time, I'm like, make the next one almost immediate, like 24 hours or 10 minutes. Like, it totally depends on. The length of your contract is in your employment, but I'm like, turn around and make that one fast because that's like the urgency of like, hey, I've told you once, I'm now having to follow up on it, which is something I shouldn't even have to be doing. So it's like, this is this is your final warning, and if something still isn't done, get the fuck out. Every single time, get out. There is no reason in the world that anyone should stay in a position where they feel unheard. And I'm like, 100%, I'm a white woman with privilege that I am dismantling. And I'm like, potentially, this is well, actually not potentially, it is coming from a place of I'm not necessarily in survival mode. And I truly do believe there's like endless jobs out there. They're not always easy to land. But I'm like, I don't need, the reality is, is like, I don't need to put a roof over my head and food on my table. I will financially be fine. But I would say in a commitment to your happiness, and if you know that there are other employment opportunities outside of the one that you are in, get out. Because The worst thing you can do for your subconscious and your conscious mind and, like, everything to do with your energetic field and your self-esteem and, like, mental health is to stay in a job where you're not heard. Stay in any relationship where you're not heard. And I'm, I'm, like, get the fuck out every time. And if, like, you ever get to a place where you're, like, I don't know if I can do this, please hit me up and I will be your cheerleader for this. Because I have truly explored the spectrum of great jobs and shit jobs. And I'm like, I know what that spectrum, like where any job or any, I know what that spectrum feels like in any place on it. Because I'm like, I genuinely feel like I've been on both ends and everywhere in between. Now I'm wondering, I'm like, should I switch topics to the sticky spirits one? Um, I'm just going to take a minute to see if there's anything else I want to say about this. I think that's pretty good. If there's anything I didn't articulate well, let me know. I can revisit that. Um, Yeah. And then the second piece of this. I mean, God, I feel so fired up whenever I speak about, like, workers' rights and management. I find management so fascinating because unlike romantic relationships, I feel like I'm very good at removing myself and, like, seeing what's happening on both sides. And I'm like, there's just a lot of entitlement that exists in the workplace and privilege and hierarchy. And... It just doesn't. I'm, I'm like, I'm baffled that we live and we coexist, and that like as human beings we created a work world that supports this. It's so strange to me. Um. Yeah. Also, the oh, this is such a small one. I think I'm going to talk about sticky spirits another day because it's like it's not a full fledged idea. It's a working idea. <laughs> the idea of like. You know, when you meet someone who's like a CEO or like a boss's boss, and then you're like, I can't believe I just said this to the boss, that is hierarchy. And that is, again, for lack of a better word, the dumbest shit we've ever created as human beings. It is so incredibly dumb. We are assessing so much, or like we are giving people so much respect on the basis of silly things, such as assumed pay grade, status, job title, often age, um, what else is in there? And like just general identity. And so they're all things that aren't tactile or real. And yet we don't think about that. It's like, has this person deserved our respect? Are they even kind? Do we connect with them? Like, how do they make us feel? And it's like, oh, no, it's the CEO. I have to be nice to him. Or, again, I was, like, on on set and, like, one of the cameramen asked, like, about something and I didn't know the answer to it. And I was with um, someone who's, like, very keen to get in film and was like, I can't believe you didn't, like, fake it till you make it type thing. And I'm like, I'm a human being. I don't know the answer to his question. Like, I'm not the right I'm not I'm not his gal, you know? I can't answer it. Find someone else. And this idea, if you're ever in a work environment where there's a perpetuation of like, you can't speak to this person or um, I can't believe you're sitting next to this person at this table or do you know who you're talking to? That sentence, do you know who you are talking to? Ugh, if I can underline that, And turn it into the bullseye on a dartboard. I'd be the fucking greatest dart thrower in the world. Because that is the most condescending boomer vibe. That's not even fair to boomers. But it's like it's the most archaic belief system we hold in the workplace. Is that people deserve our respect on the basis of nothing. Off an illusion we have been told to believe. How insane is that? That is so wild. I'm going to leave this here. It's going on 29 minutes. So that's that. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know. Thank you for listening to voice notes. I hope you found it insightful and I'd love to hear what comes up for you. If you have any lingering thoughts or just want to connect, feel free to reach out on Instagram with my handle in the show notes. Additionally, if you think a friend or family member would benefit from this conscious exploration, please share it with whomever you feel inclined to wander with. Thank you again for your time, your thoughts, and most importantly, your ears. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. See you soon.